Seriously Good News. That song was Seriously Good News, even though it was difficult to sing. And uh, Seriously Good News in Galatians. I've got another bit of tech which I have to um, switch on. That's on. I think that probably works. Okay. So this morning it's seriously good news. Where are we on this? Yep, okay. Seriously good news. And we're looking at seriously good news for the poor and for social action. In my quest to understand the poor, I looked at the Joseph Roundtree Foundation. You may or may not have heard of it. They do a lot of work, particularly in the UK, to help the poor. Their aim is to solve UK poverty. And their, their definition, as it were, of, uh, of poverty is when a person's resources, mainly their material resources, are not sufficient to meet their minimum needs, including social participation. Well, I found that perhaps helpful in some respects. I looked at quite a bit of their material. Very helpful. Good definition. But at the end of the day, it's not totally Bible-based. And what we're called to uh, as a church, as Christians, is to see, well, what does God have to say about the poor and how we should treat them and how we should deal with that? So our focus today is on God's Word what the Bible encourages us to do. And I'm going to try and press the first button. Okay. And we... Social action for the poor. So let's read from Matthew chapter 25. I don't know what sort of Bible you've got. Some, some Bibles have the, have the words in red. I've got one or two Bibles, and the words are in red. Either I can see a red page over here, and uh, even on these electronic things we have these days, uh, certainly the one I use, and it's because they're the words that Jesus spoke. So that ex it's extra important, extra special, and in my mind we should pay real close attention to what Jesus has to say. And in Matthew 25 from verse 31... He says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will say and answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you? Or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger, invite you in? 
or needing clothes and clothe you. When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and imprisoned and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. As we were singing earlier, we were praising God. We had a great time of worship, I felt. Great in the sense that we were, I felt, connecting with God and singing words which he really wanted us to, to sing. And then one of the songs we were talking about how good God is. We have a good father and he cares for us and he does things for us and he helps us in situations and he feeds us and he clothes us. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Because that's, that's how people get helped and clothed quite often. It's not always, sometimes, but it's not always a miracle from God that, that miraculously changes circumstances. Often it's, it's through us. That's, that's how it works. Uh, we sing he's a good, good father and he's given us a family and, uh, and that's, that's who we are. We do it for one another. It's not just me and God. That's important, but it's all of us. And so when we're thinking about how does God do miraculous things for the poor, quite often, I think in most of the times, it's actually down to us. So with that in mind, let's press on. We're in Galatians, so I better at least give you my text for the day. So in Galatians... We've been reminded over the last couple of weeks, uh, Paul is sort of setting out and, and dealing with one or two things and he talks to some of the other disciples. I'll just read these verses in Galatians 2 uh, from verse 8. For God who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews was also at work in my ministry, Paul, as an apostle to the Gentiles. So we've got Peter on the one side uh, helping the Jews and we've got Paul on the other side helping the Gentiles. Us. James, Peter and John, those reputed to be pillars. Wouldn't it be great to have that title? A pillar. James, Peter and John, those reputed to be pillars. Gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognised the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue 
to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. That's the verse that we're focusing on, remembering the poor. And Paul was a new convert. He was going to go and preach to the Gentiles. He was going to go across the whole sort of Mediterranean, Mediterranean area and from scratch uh, preach the news about Jesus Christ. And Paul and James and John and the other disciples were in Jerusalem predominantly and were preaching to the Jews. And the only thing, or the main piece of advice that they give to Paul is not make sure you do uh, Exodus chapter 20 and make sure you do this and make sure you do this and make sure you, you baptise people. None of that. All they asked was that we remember the poor. So that must be pretty important. So let's just look in outline as to what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, we're going to see who are the poor? How do we remember them? What does remember mean? When? Should we remember them? Is there a right time to do that? What do we as a church think is important in this, in this area? What are Christ's first values? And what I've described as money and me, we'll see what that's about near the end. Um, but sometimes it comes down to sticking your hand in your pocket. Some biblical background. That, as far as I could see, there's 173 times when the poor get mentioned. Um, there's other words that get a, a bigger rating. Perhaps love is probably against a bigger rating, but it gets a lot of ratings. And I found over the, this last week, various people I know have, have put uh, verses or comments on Facebook or other media, and it's just seemed as if there's been so much focus on those in need, the poor. Uh, I don't know what uh, information you look at, but that's, that's what's... Maybe it's because I knew, I knew what I was talking about this morning. And, uh, but there just seems so much interest and so much importance in helping those who are, who are poor. Let's look at a couple, just a couple of uh, verses in the Bible. The first one is in Deuteronomy where Moses is writing uh, sections of the law and he writes this very interesting quote, or I found it interesting, there will always be poor people in the land. I, oh, that's interesting. You, did I expect, well I, I knew it was in the Bible, but it just is a, an unusual statement I think. You, there will always be poor people in the land because we're called to help the poor and Surely it can be eradicated, but Moses' view was there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore I command you to be, what a fantastic word this is, open-handed. I don't know how to explain what that means. I didn't even look it up. I command you. It's not, a, it's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's not a... This would be a good idea. I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers and sisters and towards the poor and needy in your land. One other verse that this is almost an aside, but 
Jesus says in Matthew, the poor you will always have with you. Different context I accept, but, but he made that statement. He was sort of reaffirming uh, what Moses had written. So the Bible tells us, one, that there will always be poor people, and if there's one word you remember from this morning, remember that word, open-handed. It, I, I think it's a fantastic uh, expression and an encouragement and an example as to how we should, how we should approach this. So, how do we define the poor? It, it's very easy, I think, to, to oversimplify. What, what do we think of when someone mentions poverty, the poor? What, what, what comes to mind? Is it a lack of things? I think that sometimes comes to mind. Perhaps a lack of food, a lack of sleep, lack, lack of water. If it was just a lack of things, then, then maybe we could supply more of that. Is it a lack of knowledge? Education is promoted as being important, and I'm sure it is. But knowledge and education, then we could perhaps address that. A lot of work which is done by Christian uh, organisations is to help in education. I mean, it's absolutely vital, and I think that's a, a very important part of, of what we do, is to help in, in education where that's not freely available. Is it not knowing God? A lot of pe people spend all of their time preaching, sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. That surely is very important, and yes, it is. Perhaps we should evangelise more. Is it access? Access to land, to health, to markets? I won't try and explain what that means. Is it to credit? Maybe we could provide some of these. I know some organisations, I know one particular charity in, working in India where they've, they've made contact with the banks and the very poorest people in, in the slums have been given facilities. There are so many things. It may be all of these. It probably is all of these. But it's not just about provision. Because every person, rich or poor, is made in, in God's image. With gifts and skills and purpose, just like us. And it's very easy for us to forget that those who are lacking and we might call the poor are exactly the same as us in that they were made in God's image and they have many, many gifts and skills. People vary. We think of some people as being very skillful and some people being middle skillful and some people being less, but everyone has abilities and, and skills and the few people that I've come into contact with who may be very, very poor have still got Lots of good ideas. All I'm trying to say really in this is there's no simple answer. It's not just a matter of fixing a little thing over here or even a big thing. It's a range of things. But we, don't, we mustn't think if we can just provide this or that, all will be well. 
there are those who are begging because they have absolutely nothing. We see people who are begging in, the, in this country, but most people have something. But there are those who have absolutely nothing. It amazes me how people continue to live and live and live who apparently seem to have nothing. And there are many people who have got a full-time job but are still pretty, pretty poor. They find it difficult. But for the purpose of this morning, I will keep it relatively simple, hopefully, and accept that there are those in need. And clearly, we are to remember them. We are to find the right things for us to do uh, to address and to help and to support those who, who are in need. So how do we remember the poor? I'm going to take my watch off before I ramble on too long. I listened to some of Simon Pettit's preach at the 1998 New Frontiers Conference. Some of you will have heard of that. Some of you may never have heard of it. But all I can say is it was pretty famous at the time. And it's, if you want to listen to the full 80 minutes on YouTube, you can. And uh, you can even listen to the highlights. I think it was transforming for New Frontiers to focus on, because he spoke on remembering the poor. He asked a question. Uh, one of, this is the only quote I'm going to bring from his, his preach. You remember there's a verse in James where, and he asked, how does this sentence get finished? In 1 James 27, James says, Religion that God accepts as pure and faultless is, what would you say? Religion that is pure and faultless is to pray more, read your Bible more. James actually said, anyone know? Looking after widows and orphans. Top marks. Give that man a job here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Looking after widows and orphans. I find some of these references just so incredible that God's, that uh, James says that religion, living our life out for Christ, is what that really is all about: is helping those who are in who are in need. So, how do we remember them? Do we pray for them? Prayer is absolutely essential. Prayer is vital. We often think, I often think, I sometimes think, what's, what's the point of what I'm, surely I should be doing something. We probably all have those sorts of thoughts, I, I need to be doing something. But Jesus Christ took time to pray every day. He went aside and spent time talking to his father about his life and how he was going to live it and what he was going to do and what the priorities were. We're called to pray. Here we bring the needs of the poor to a loving father. And our loving father may be tapping someone else on the shoulder to go and solve the problem. But he needs our intercession. That's part of how God solves things. So let's not 
dismiss prayer as being unimportant. Let's take time to pray for those who are in need. But we need to do more. Giving support. We need to give support. We're going to look at what Paul did. We're going to ask the question, what can I do? And what does, what does X1 do? What sort of example does our church set in how we handle this? So Paul first. So Paul writes in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, the first three verses. And he sets out how we should go about this. Now about the collection for God's people. This is in Corinthians, but he's referring back to Galatians. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. We've already planned ahead. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. I think this is really good advice. I would, those who know me. Save up regularly and then give. Paul is a man of, of, of method and organisation and he commends this to us. And then Paul acts. He says, and we read this in Romans. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there, for Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Paul collected... And he took his aid to Jerusalem. Quite a journey, actually. Uh, we were reminded last week when Brian was speaking about Paul travelling around and going to Jerusalem and then back to uh, Asia Minor, then back down to Jerusalem. I'm amazed just how far Paul travelled for God. Any serious Chelsea or Arsenal fan will be off next week to Baku, if you know where that is. I didn't, <laughs> in Azerbaijan. Uh, a mere five and a half thousand mile trip. But Paul, not phased by distances. And we think about 2,000 years and Paul was travelling significant distances. He goes to all the churches. Where his missionary journeys are well documented. You can look on the maps and see where he went. He was not frightened to, to travel. And it wasn't a matter, clearly, of catching the next train or car or bus. How far are we prepared to, to do that sort of thing if God calls us to do? We could travel to the other side of the world. We probably all know people who've done that. I know people in, in Australia. We, we probably all do. All around the world. But sometimes God wants us to do that. And that's what God wanted Paul to do. He just got on with it. He just 
got the friends that he needed, he organised the collections that needed to be taken, and he travelled. What can I do? But what can we... Like, we're, we're so small, aren't we, and perhaps insignificant that anything we do doesn't make a, a big difference. I was thinking back to when I was, when I was younger. I, I remember I would be probably in my late teens. I'd started work, started work at 16, as one did in those days. And I supported Oxfam uh, for a number of years. And I collected two shillings. That's 10p for the uninitiated. 10p from 10 of my friends. I remember my mother... Uh, various people that I work with, a few of my friends at church. So 10 people, I collected 10p once a month, collected my pound and sent it off to Oxfam. Every month, every month, every month. Looking back, that, was, that wasn't a, a large amount, but I, they had a scheme in those days and there were hundreds, probably thousands of people who were doing the same thing, collecting 10p. Never underestimate giving 10p if, if that's what you feel is right for you to help those that are in need. There's no amount which is too small. The only thing really which is too small is nothing. More about me a little bit later. It's not, all about, it's not always about money. And when, when we talk about giving, we, we tend to focus on money, but it's not by any means, all about money. We have time to do things. We have skills. As I look around this room, there's almost every skill imaginable. People have amazing skills in teaching, in working with their hands. Lots of skills. It's about giving some of that to God in some way. What does X1 do? What's happened? There we go. This is just a few years ago now, but uh, one or two faces in the, in, the, in the room will remember this. We visited Kenya. We heard there was a need out there for a water tank. And... Many of you will remember, if you don't remember, this is a huge water tank. How big is this? This? 300,000 litres. You got that? Wow. That's a lot of bottles. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Pete clearly was... <laughs> so we went to Kenya. I, not, not me personally, but we, we went to Kenya. And uh, a group of brave men and women. We didn't just go and build something ourselves. That's, that's usually not a good thing in my limited experience. But we asked, how can we support you? How can we help you? What, what is it that you need? And when we were told that they needed a walk of the tank, we provided some of the materials. And then we went and we supported some of the local people 
If your face wasn't on the first one, it might be on the second one. But we worked with the people that were already there. Usually, where there's a need, there's quite often a vision. They know what needs to be done. They don't always have all of the means to bring it about. And so we supported those who were the local workers so that it could be provided more quickly. Lending a hand, as I say, is, is usually so much better than just going and doing something for someone. There are lots of wells that have been dug. There's lots of buildings that have been built that stand empty because they weren't part of the vision of the people that really needed it. When? When should we remember the poor? Maybe this is a silly question. Forgive me for asking silly questions. It's only silly if you know what the answer is. Once a year? Perhaps we should have a, a special offering once, once a year. And uh, perhaps we visit someone or visit somewhere once a year. Perhaps when we're able, when I get a pay rise, well after Christmas perhaps it's better. Should we only help the poor when we think they're helping themselves? That's sometimes a thought which passes our mind. It's been said that Galatians 2.10 only refers to the poor in Jerusalem. Well, that may or may not be true. What is clear is that God's heart is for the poor. And whether that instance is for Jerusalem or not, throughout the Bible there's clear invitations for us to be involved. Regularly is what the Bible says. We read that verse in Corinthians that Paul wrote on the first day of every week, he says. Perhaps it should be the first day of every month. That's, that's fine. It, we, don't have to take it, we don't have to take it too literally. It doesn't have to be literally today, the first day of every week. It could be every new moon. It could be whenever. But regularly is the, is the encouragement which Paul gives. And how can we give? We can give, as I've mentioned, in many ways. We can give our time. We can give our money. We can give our gifts. X1 is committed, as we will all know by heart, our lives and our time and our money. But they're not, they're not just words. It's, it's a commitment. It's something that we, we want to do, not just talk about. Consistently is good. Week by week, month by month, not just when we remember. Let's not underestimate how the poor handle money. Sometimes we think that we know best, but quite often those who are in need, as I've mentioned, have a real vision for what needs to be done. Let me share a personal experience when I was in 
uh, northern Uganda a few years ago. We visited this uh, village that had just got a new uh, water well dug. And uh, so we were in Kitgum, which is northern Uganda. And then we were going to visit a small village just a little distance away. And we're in two vehicles, and I'm in the vehicle at the back. And we go down a fairly narrow path. So it was fairly wide at that point. Um, but we go down this path. We think, I think, where on earth are we going to? The road gets slightly narrower. And then literally just round the corner, we arrive in a small village and all of these people are sitting ready for their weekly meeting. There's an organisation called Voluntary Savings and Loans Association. And there are thousands, particularly in the poorer areas, where they meet on a weekly basis to save and to borrow. Save, because that's a good discipline, and borrow perhaps for something which they have a particular need for. They might want to buy an ox or some other animal, and they are saving approximately 500 U Ugandan shillings. That's 10 pence. We talked about 10 pence earlier. These people are saving 10 pence a week. Again, it's, for us, we would dismiss that, wouldn't we? As being almost insignificant. When we sang Food for the Hungry, it brought um, tears to my eyes. I was with Food for the Hungry in this particular village. And the green box that you can see is the, is the cash tin. You can't see them all, but there are three locks on this tin. You can see the one on the right-hand side. There's another one on the other side. And there's one at the back, because the hinges are at the front, as you can see. So there are three locks, and three individuals keep a key. <laughs> Clever thinking, eh? So when they meet, it needs all three people to come to unlock and they are saving small amounts of money on a weekly basis it was just amazing to be and these money in money out and I can't remember what the third bowl was for but they're meeting just to save to meet together and to invest and to do the things which we all do but perhaps on a much smaller scale never underestimate how organised those who we consider to be poor can be. I wonder if there's a lesson here for us. Something that we could all learn from. They're doing what Paul said. They are actually meeting every week with their 10 pence. I think the 50 shilling is probably still a note uh, at 10 pence. What about X1? What are our values? We have two key, we have eight values, as you will all know. Uh, we had a series on them, I think it was last year. And uh, 
And two of them are generosity and compassion. We also have a policy. We have a statement. We have a set of accounts that goes on the Charity Commission website, on the company's house website, and it's all boring sort of stuff. But it says there quite clearly in black and white, and I'm going to read it to you, just the shortened version, 10% of all the donations and gifts to the church are allocated to mercy and mission. You know that we support mercy and mission, but as a minimum, we will commit to, to giving 10% of everything that we receive into mercy and mission. And if for any reason we underspend, we carry that amount forward, and there's a special little account to carry that forward. We try to do things well, we try to do things properly. We're committed as a church to mercy and mission. So giving to help the poor is something which the church takes seriously. I commend that to you. Ask God, what, what does God want me to do? 1% is, is not too little. I mentioned it earlier. I think 0% probably is. Because the Bible encourages us to do this. We bought a bed as a church, a carpet, a washing machine, a variety of things for, to help those who needed them. We've heard of a need, we've done something about it. I know many of you will have been involved. Many of you will have given chairs, table, things that we have that we don't have a need for and we know people that do. Well done, church. Let's, let's keep on helping those who, who are in need. That's what God wants us to do. What do we support? We support, as you know, the work in Egypt. We support the work in Kenya, which we looked at earlier. We support New Hope, the homeless. The homeless. We support Bible translation and others as they arise. And money is important to the poor, even if they have very little. So X1 sets a budget for helping the poor. We're committed to doing that. I set a budget for helping the poor. What does that mean? It means that we don't forget about it. We do it regularly. We have a standing order from the church accounts that goes to organisations which are in direct contact with the poor. My time is gone, so I'm just going to recap. Let's remember those who are less fortunate than we are. Who does God lay on your heart? Let's pray for those in need. Let's not dismiss prayer as being a vital part of what God wants us to do and be doing. Give some of your time some of your gifting, the things that you're really good at to help those who are in need, and your money as well. Everything is part of what we can contribute. Give regularly. Paul suggests 
weekly, weekly, monthly, regularly, every new moon, every whatever, but do it regularly. Don't prejudge, don't worry about what happens to your gift once you've given it. That is not our responsibility. Our responsibility, in the same way as it's not our responsibility to, to convert people to Christ, it's our responsibility to share our love for Jesus. It's not our responsibility as to what happens to the gift once we've given it. Our responsibility is to release what we've been given. Will you support X1 Active? Pete and Joe leave that tremendous opportunity of just helping, I say just, that word should be banned, of helping people who are in need. But whatever you do, remember. Thank you. We're, I think our time has gone, so we'll, we'll conclude there. I'm going to pray in a moment. But if you feel that you want to uh, have someone to pray with you about that or any other circumstance in your life, then do feel free to come forward and there will be people who will pray. Let me just commit our time to God. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity that there is in your word as to how we should live our lives. Thank you, it's on your heart to remember those who are poor. And Lord, we pray you're laid on our hearts to live for you, to serve you, and to always remember those who are less well off than we are. Go with us, Lord, we pray. May we know your blessing and your guidance in this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.